You're listening to the Gibby Five Podcast, episode 171, side B. is the Give Me Five podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing things you love today and the things you loved yesterday or didn't know about until about a week ago. Weekly. But now, we love it. My name is Greg Cougar Marcus, and I am joined by Jimmy the Animal McCurry, Rob Chocolate Thunder Dungan. (laughs) Thank you! And All Hallows Steve. Steve Van Sampson, he's an author, he's a podcaster, he does a bunch of other stuff. Tell us about yourself, Steve. Hey guys, how's it going? Howdy. Uh, Hello, you. welcome. Well, thank you very much. We don't... Thanks for having me on, this is uh, pretty fun. I, I, I feel like I, uh... I need a disclaimer for you, I don't, I don't call myself Jimmy the Animal McCurry. I totally okay. refer to myself as Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, we I'm, give ourselves I'm, new nicknames. I'm still, I'm still learning. Uh, I, I wanted to have a, a samurai cop uh, quote ready just in case, but you know, it's it's probably for the best that I didn't, because nobody nobody wants to hear that. Oh, don't oh, Jimmy, really uncomfortably. I mean, especially especially the really really good lines. You don't really want to say those out loud. You just let you just let the samurai cop say them. <laughs> You could uncomfortably hit on Jimmy and have him accept a date from you. Could I? Sure. So I could be like, so I could do out of, out of sheer absolute nowhere in the middle of this podcast. I'll be like, Jimmy, do you like what you see? <laughs> and I'll say, I'm in love. <laughs> Immediate. Do you want? Do you want to touch what you see? <laughs> Bingo. Oh my god. And and uh, Rob can look at the camera knowingly and raise his eyebrows and make uh make commentary just with his face. <laughs> there were so many close-ups. There were. And uh I don't know I don't know if we're gonna dive right into that or, or not, but you asked me uh who I was and I'm a I'm a guy named Steve who writes books. Uh and uh I have I have a couple novels out that are um I call them the Predator World series. These are uh Vampire books that are set in a post-apocalyptic version of Africa. Very uh, tense moment-to-moment sort of deals where you're uh, not sure if the character is going to get through the next scene. And um, it's uh, it's very adventure-based horror, I like to say. And um, in about a couple weeks here, uh, we I have a new novel coming out via Rough House Publishing, which... All you guys were actually kind enough to read and review on a previous episode back in October, which is just the awesomest thing ever. I just really can't thank you guys enough for doing it. It's very, very cool. All three of you actually read some or all of the book for that. Yep. Uh, kind of, kind of really very humbling experience when you're an author who, uh, that sort of thing has never happened before <laughs> to them. But, 
Uh, I my new book is called Mark of the Witchworm, and uh, it is it is a bit of a departure. Actually, it's a total departure from what I've done before. It's a more of a dark fantasy sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's me. And I'm also a co-host on the Retro Redoctopus Cephala podcast. So if you like, <laughs> if you like, give me five, and you like talking about cool shit that's old, uh, we we do that. Yeah, there's a lot of eighty stuff. I, I was actually listening just the other day. I was listening to the year end wrap up. You, you episode. Right. You have nice. Me. Next next year we'll hit you guys up. Yeah, to send us yeah. uh, some stuff for that. You're in. We have a very active Facebook group as well, which I always yes. enjoy. Yeah, it's it, you know uh, we decided early on that we wanted to keep it clean and uh, stuff. So like you can swear, but if it's uh, sexual in nature or uh, you know there there are rules you know that we we posted and stuff and and there there are certain things that we're just not going to deal with. But Rob just walked uh, away. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <it is. laughs> I will not be welcome. But you know it's uh, like I said, swearing's okay. But you know it's just it's just one of those things that we just wanted to keep it a little bit on the clean side and, and stuff. But we, we, I mean, the show, anything kind of goes, we, we're, we, we have potty mouths and, uh, and stuff, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good time. Everybody just, you know, posts whatever it, it's funny. Like people really have gotten, you know, the feel for the group and it, it just becomes a natural thing when you see this sort of a post, um, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll just throw that in, uh, in Redoctopus. Yeah. And, I've, uh, I've, uh... A lot of people have done that. I've regaled several of our people in our little uh, chat room with some of the pictures and memes and stuff from that post. I uh, just to, you know for for you guys out there, you know it's always weird, I guess, for an author to talk about their books. So uh, let me do it for you. Yeah, so I'm going to do it here. Uh, Mark of the Witchworm is a fantasy book, and I was always I was wondering how to review this book because I didn't get a chance to do it because I never know is it a good thing or a bad thing if someone that doesn't like fantasy books enjoys a book because someone could be like you know i really hate salmon but that's the best salmon i've ever had like what well, does that mean it doesn't taste like salmon <laughs> or does that mean does is that mean a good thing really or a bad don't thing have a huge frame of reference for it well i uh, maybe i but i love that book yeah and yeah. let me Thank tell you. you the the thing that greg hates about fantasy books is he hates all the lore he hates all the background he hates it, greg thinks every fantasy book is a silmarillion he hates a bunch <clears throat> of names because no, he I hate the names. track of people. I hate <laughs> if there's more like, than three characters in the book, he's bound to lose track of at least seven of them. I hate all it's. I hate all the soft L and R names. Alaria, you know, th- things like that. When you have really it, repeating it, suffixes over and over again. Yeah. Or it drives me nuts. Sarun, Sauron, Saruman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I, I, I know that we're blowing past it, but can I just back up 15 seconds and go, go, uh, to the phrase, Greg thinks every book is the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I love that description. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm right there with you. That was perfect. It was a perfect way of getting the information into my brain. Boom. Yeah, that's all you need to know. The Silmarillion is fucking impossible. Oh, yeah. It's- There's no reason at all to read it. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, mm-hmm. there are YouTube videos that explain all the shit. There, yep. <laughs> Boom. Man. Done. Exactly. Jimmy wins the, this particular episode. That might actually be the name the of the episode. episode. I was going to say, that's the name of the episode right there. Yeah. Greg thinks every book is... The Silmarillion. Yeah. No, it's, no it's I did... Uh, every fan... It's, in, 
in Ever preparation, I've right. I've uh, I've been busy, of course, with a bunch of stuff. So I I had ordered um, Bone Eater King and uh, Marrow Dust oh, several months you. ago, and uh, you know, God, I ordered it over this uh, over the summer, maybe I don't know. But I finally was able to start digging into it. Um, yeah, I've Bone Eater King so far, uh, one of those hard to put down books. Very interesting. Awesome, thank you. Um, you know, this is one of those weird things where you you know we're we're semi friendly online. We don't really know each other, but you always worry when you when someone's like, "Hey, check out my book, check out my band, that kind of stuff." That sure, it's not yeah. going to be good. Check out my penis. Oh wait, what? Check out this. Thing. <laughs> no, I know that's good. Whoops. <laughs> check out this thing that. Yeah, and then you're like, "Oh, great!" And then you'd be like, "I really like the the cover." But yeah. No, like I I've, I've been I've been reading and I'm I'm you know I find myself I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna read a couple chapters a night," and I'm look down. I'm forty pages in. 80 pages in like, oh, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's, mean, it's great. It's um, so not just cause we are friendly, but I, I have been very much enjoying the lore and the world you made up in there. Um, awesome. Man. So. I mean that, that, that is just amazing to hear like ever, like no matter if you're, if you're a creator of anything, like that's, that's why you do it. So thank you very much for that. Um, speaking on to be serious, but kind of not, but you know, back to the Silmarillion comment, like, it is, I think, uh, there is a slippery slope there, right? Because the Silmarillion was never supposed to be published, right? So it's just, it's just a compendium. There's, there's no story there, really. There's no narrative. This, it, it really is just like a reference book, sort of. And mm-hmm. the, you know, post posthumously, they, you know, you know, Christopher Tolkien released that or whatever. And uh, it, you know, so that's kind of unfair. But that is the extreme example of when somebody goes way too much into the world building and forgets that that's actually supposed to inform a story. So Mm -hmm. for sure, if there, you know, if there's a book like that, and I've, I've certainly read books like that. um, And I've, I felt like, you know, every two seconds, the narrative is getting paused. It's kind of like the same sort of feeling I got while watching lost where like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I liked lost before it ended, you know, before, like I realized it was actual garbage, but like, you know, when I was into it, and uh and it was like every every time they went for like a flashback i'm like dude i don't give a shit yeah about the backstory of Jin. just show me what's gonna happen with the fucking smoke monster i'm gonna explode <laughs> this tv like go um i want to hear that receipt printing from the taxi cab like come on give me the sound give me the sound yeah mm-hmm. um, anyway. um yeah so i mean i think that uh you know if you're feeling like it's constantly the the story's getting paused uh, just so that the author can pontificate on this really neat thing they come up with. Hoo hoo, tee hee. Like, oh, these these guys over here, and I'm going to talk about them for 40 pages. It's like, mm, do they have anything to do with anything though? No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Don't do that. Um, so it's it's very cool that like Greg, you're saying you're you're a person who's not a huge fan of you know you know exhaustive world building where there's you know all these details and stuff. And uh, but clearly for you, there's a balance. And so that's something that I, I certainly always strive to do. And I, I do like creating interesting worlds, but it's, uh, you do got to pull back though. I think you really got to know when to pull back. Um, and they're, they're even like, you know, even with characters that, that will happen. Like, you know, I love, I'm, I'm not going to say a bad word about Stephen King, but like, I mean, the, the guy like has this, this way of writing infinite characters. Mm-hmm. Like, there literally he could infinite 
Like, there's yeah. no way he will ever get to a point where he's like, I don't know what character should go here. Like, he has infinite. So, um, sometimes, like, like the stand or something like that. I actually had trouble, um, getting through the stand because, um, I was, I don't know, there's just a lot. And, uh, I, you know, that was a book I actually gave up on and intend to go back, but I've not to this day done it. But I, you know, I, I will. Yeah. But, it's tough. I mean, that sort of, I think is his, his, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's just, Oh my God. Even like needful things, needful things has a million characters, uh, pets, uh, not pet cemetery. Um, what's a uh, Salem's lot has a million characters. Um, and it's tough. Like sometimes, you know, you got to read it a couple of times before you're keeping people straight. I still have not gotten through it halfway through it. Um, you're halfway through it. Yeah. I'm halfway through it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I find that to be, I personally, I enjoy Stephen King's short story collections uh, more so than his longer works of uh, Full Dark, No Stars. Um, yeah. Every star yep. story in that. Yes. Please. I think I think the only the only one that I read and I really enjoyed, but the only one that I read was a conglomeration of short stories, the Nightmares and Dreamscapes. That mm-hmm. was that was Stephen King, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I I read through that one, enjoyed it, but I haven't I haven't really sat I haven't really sat down and read any of his bigger novels. Mm-hmm. Speaking to creating characters and their backstories, especially in your novel, Mark of the Witchworm, I think that the characters that you've created in there and that you fleshed out, I think so artfully, are just so unique comparatively they they kind of cross the the different you can't really okay this person is a wizard this person is a rogue you know there are elements of that in each character and i think they they have really fantastic backstories that i would love to see more elaborated on um from them but with this novel I felt very satisfied at the end. I feel like a lot of authors and authors that we've spoke about in their books on here, that there's a, a need to keep going back to that. Well, over and over and one to three books will turn into 15 to 20 books and they'll just keep going. How important, yeah. you know, to you is it to keep a story succinct? I guess super important. I uh, I I have no plans to to write a ten book series. Um, you know, I I, I wrote Bone Eater King, uh, not knowing that I was even going to write a sequel, and then I ended up getting to the end of it, and I wrote the last sentence, and I was like, I think I think that the uh, this one character, I think she deserves more and I want to see what happens to this character. So I decided to like sort of piggyback. He's spoiling, he's spoiling my experience. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So now you know that there's one character that deserves another book. So uh, it doesn't become vampire food. Impossible. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, so like I, it's, it's just one of those things where that sort of just happened. And uh, you know, now I, I have a third book planned. 
Um, but I, I don't think that it will probably go past that in novel form. Um, but with, with which worm, you know, that whole, the whole time I was writing that as a prequel to a series of stories I want to write later. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about characters and the amount of characters and, you know, you mentioned that there's, um, a small amount of characters in this book and that was, uh, intentional because what I was trying to do with which worm is r- kind of, kind of write the, the anti-fantasy book, the anti-high fantasy book. Um, so it's awesome, Greg, that you sort of oh. are from that camp. Like you said, <laughs> you know, what <laughs> does it mean that it's a bad fantasy book because you like it and you don't like fantasy? Um, I, I did sort of, that was sort of the intention, you know, like I, I wanted to write small epic fantasy, right? Cause like the, the word epic, it's just so intrinsic now with mm-hmm. fantasy, you know, epic fantasy, everything's these giant quests to do whatever. And like, you, like, like, you know, it was said, you know, you keep going back to those characters for all these books, six, seven, 10, 12, yeah. how many wheel at time books are there, you know? And like, and, yeah. and it just feels like, you know, some of those books, you literally get nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why was, how was this, how, what did I just read in a thousand pages? Like what, what was the point of that? Like you're just treading water. So I definitely don't uh, have the desire to ever write a book. That's like just treading water just for the sake of putting out a book. Um, and also uh, the other side of that is, is it takes me a long time to write novels. So um, I couldn't, if I wanted to, like everything I do has to be uh, worth the time. And um, you know, I, I try to put every possible bit of, you know, myself into it and uh, feel like at the end that I, I did something that was, you know, different and um, hopefully giving people something that's a little familiar, you know, it's, you can put it in a genre, it's not bonkers, right? but it's uh, something that is in that genre that they already enjoy, but is hopefully a twist or something, you know, that they haven't seen before. And with this, it's definitely small fantasy. It's not epic fantasy really at all. Um, you could call it dark fantasy, horror fantasy, grim dark. You, you know, these are kind of the industry terms. But you know, I really just wanted to do a private, like a very small, personal. To me, it's like a very personal story uh, because the main character and pretty much all of the characters are driven by extremely personal things. So it's not like you know, I'm I'm trying to save the kingdom, or you know, depose the evil god king, or you know, anything like that. We're, we're not saving the world. The world is going to be the same, whether or not these characters accomplish their goal or not, pretty much. Um, as it is, it's set in a very remote part of, you know, this landscape and stuff. And, uh, you know, pretty much no one goes there and, you know, whatever. So the world's going to spin on either way, but right. it matters. It matters to these characters because everything's just so incredibly personal. And, uh, you know, I tried to make sure that, uh, the way to do that, um, as a father myself, as you know, I decided early on that I was going to make this guy a, a father who was somebody who was trying to desperately save their their young child, and um, this is a character who's ill ill fitted to do so. Uh, he's he's a, a big tough guy who you know he 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 can pull monsters out of a river, but he's never had to really leave home and talk to people on the road and like investigate and you know track down somebody like this is all of it's outside of his wheelhouse and he's you know he falls a lot he's not mm-hmm. he's not really suited for this but right. he uh you know 
he keeps trying because he's got it because it's his kid. Exactly. I love that they're they're perfectly imperfect characters. I, I and I don't when I say flawed, I don't mean that in a a negative light at all. Well, I mean the the best stories involve characters that have that have flaws that That's... they're not they're not perfect characters. And that's why Marvel is better than DC for the most part. Well, yeah, you got your spider. I find Spider-Man way more intriguing than Superman. It's there's really what one, one or two weaknesses of Superman. Spider-Man is just a kid. He he has a lot of flaws. Um, you might've, uh, covered this. I had to step away for a second because, uh, my, both my child and Alexa were having arguments outside of my door. (laughs) (laughs) Who won the argument? Uh, I don't think it was with each other. It was just this. Disem- I still can't figure out where Alexa was coming from. It was this disembodied voice. I'm not, I'm not sure, sure where that was. Alexa has taken over your home, by the way. I don't have one upstairs, so it shouldn't be able to hear. You have a problem. Is it now? Is it Alexa or is it Michael B. Jordan? Oh, it could be. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so funny, <laughs> dude. Yes. No, turn the lights back on, Alexa. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so I might have missed this, but um, by trade, you're a. You're a uh, graphic designer. Did you mentioned that earlier, or did you did you design the book covers and all that? I am a graphic designer. I didn't mention it, but but that is a that is a true statement. Um, did I design the book covers? I uh, we had them painted. the uh, The artwork is done by uh, uh, just a wonderful artist I've worked with numerous times. Um, he actually did both covers of my uh, my old heavy metal band, Enchanted Exile, and uh, his name is Rene Eigner. And he is worth checking out online. Uh, really, really amazing artist. Uh, he's he's done work for Game of Thrones, and uh, I just uh, met him uh, online a long time ago. At this point, and uh, he he always accommodates and um, and knocks it out of the park. So you know, we had concepts, and uh, he actually painted uh, three different pieces for us. So. Uh, did I design the book covers? I designed the jackets, um, the logo Mark of the Witchworm, I did and all of the layout and, uh, you know, the copy and stuff like that. Uh, that is all actually me. And that is, that is sort of my wheelhouse, but I couldn't paint these, these, you know, I, I knew it was whether or not it's the deconstructed fantasy or not, it's fantasy. So it, it needed like a painted fantasy sort of cover. And, um, I did do the artwork for the Bone Eater King and Marrow Dust, but they are more graphic design than this. I knew that this had to be. So um, definitely, if you guys are interested, Rene Eigner, A-I-G-N-E-R. He's uh, got a hell of an art station. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Is, uh, if you look, look up Rene Eigner Illustration, that's his uh, Instagram. And holy cow. He's also like... Schwarzenegger ripped oh. for some reason. <laughs> That's awesome. Large red beard in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, the cover shown on Amazon for Mark of the Witchworm right now. And I'm just absolutely in love with it. I'm, I'm, uh, hovering my, uh, my little zoomy mouse over it and just, it's a, <laughs> it's a very, um, accurate image of what I played out in my head while I was reading the book, which is nice. just damn near impossible to put down. You're, you're pacing. And Greg, 
is going to get on me here. I, uh, I'm, I'm fanboying out here right now, but I, I think your, your pacing is absolutely incredible. And oh, wow. He's leaning forward so you don't see his nipples fully erect. Is what what I'm gonna say here. No, the uh, <laughs> there, there's a, a a moment in there where the, the two main characters are they're both kind of doing one thing. Uh, they're in pursuit uh, of of something else without giving it away too much, and it's kind of bouncing back and forth between them in these short little bursts. And I, you know putting down that chapter I had to to catch my breath um it, it never really it never drags on and it's just very very direct to the point so I would even say if you're if you're a fan of horror if you're a fan of fantasy if you're a fan of action then this is this this is definitely for you as well I guess now would be a great time for you to tell us exactly how people can get this book. I would love to. You can go right now to roughhousepublishing.com. And uh, basically, there's a, there's a ton of, of different options, different price points. We have everything um, from the audiobook, which uh, was narrated by myself. Um, and I, I do like all the voices and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, can, can we get a hint of one of the voices? Can we put you on the spot right now? Um. <clears throat> Um, he's going to stab well, me. Uh, uh, hold on. My, my, my Belmorn's down here. So like he kind of talks in this really staccato way. He's kind of down here. Although right now I kind of sound like I've been smoking and I definitely have not because I don't smoke and he'll go, <laughs> he'll get mad and he'll go, damn it, crow. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's down here. Nice. Oh, I like nice. it. I can't wait. I heard the excerpt from it, and I not only can I can I not. I'm sorry, I'm stepping on your toes. Uh, not only can I not wait to read it again, but I can't wait to hear it. That's nice. So roughhousepublishing.com. Yes, yeah, check it out, guys. There's uh, there's lots of different ones. So there, yeah, I was uh, audiobook, but there's also a paperback version. There's a hardcover version, and there's an ultimate version that comes with everything. And if you get the uh, the t- the top two tiers, so just the paperback, I'm sorry, just the hardcover, or just uh, or everything, uh, you actually are going to get a bunch of extras too, because uh, that's just how Roughhouse Publishing rolls. And so we put together a, a ton of fun stuff. We got uh, these amazing enamel pins from uh, this company, Metro Pins. They did an amazing job. Uh, really just absolutely blown away. They're, they're huge. They're like two inches, um, nice. two inches, almost, almost around. And uh, I mean, they're two inches across, but it's almost a circle. And it's, it's just a, a very substantial, very cool enamel pin. Um, it's a W with a very stylized witch worm wrapped around it. And, um, then there's a, going to be a two-sided poster, um, which features artwork from Renee Eigner, myself. There's actually some drawings of, that I did myself that are actually in there and I did the design of it. And then the other side is all Derek Rook, uh, you know, comic book artist, Derek Rook, who's, who's, you know, he's, he's the guy at Rough House. He's, uh, the man behind, uh, a whole bunch of crazy sick stuff. Yeah. Like Gore Shriek Resurrectus and all sorts of stuff. So um, 
Yeah, and uh, and then there's uh, we, uh, we did um, a couple. There's two stickers, um, and uh, we we just kind of decided we haven't even said anything online, but we're going to throw uh, a bookmarking in each one too. No matter what you get, everybody's just going to get a uh, just a fun extra thing. No big implying book. that people could actually stop reading. Oh, the book. Well, yes, I mean it's the a bookmark is for other books <laughs> that you actually stop reading. Yeah, Derek Rook. Uh, he's a he's a friend of the show. He's not actually been on the show yet. We're He's a longtime friend of mine, and he does comics and books, and he puts together the packages that you wished you could have gotten back in the day. Yeah, it's you know, all, all, it's, all of the stuff you wanted when you got those bagged comic books that came with, like, one sticker or something. And it, you, you get everything. All of the swag that you would be buying on a store, it all comes in the one package for the most part. It's awesome. Right. I mean, it's it's really the the mantra of Rough House Publishing in general. It's it's just all about you know uh, he like he he always likes to say that uh, we don't sell comics, we sell collectibles, and I think that that's really true of this novel too. So this is the first novel that they've actually put out. Um, this is starting a new imprint for the company called Rough House Pulp, and uh, we are definitely uh, you know hoping that it does well and that there will be other books in the future, other authors, um, and that hopefully it will be, you know, a successful new uh, imprint, imprint for the company and a new leg for the company. Um, so we'll see what happens. So guys, if, if you know, out there, if you like what you're hearing and, and you know, sounds like your bag, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of blood, sweat and love that was put into this. And um, it, it really is, um, you know, there's a lot of things we know it's the pandemic still everything's tight. It's a terrible time to be putting anything out. Um, this was actually going to be out last year and we, we decided to push it, but we, what we tried to do, uh, because everybody's money is very precious and very important. If you're looking to spend it on something goofy, uh, we, we wanted to make sure we were giving you something that's worth your money. And so hopefully the book itself is enough or would be enough in a, in a, in a different reality where roughhouse publishing just did the bare minimum but we we did some extra stuff and the cool thing about the hardcover version and the reason why you might possibly want to buy both is that the hardcover has i mentioned we commissioned three different pieces uh from renee eigner and he did uh two that are actually on the soft cover one's the front cover one's the back cover and uh the back cover is actually the poster one side of the poster and uh, the other piece is a wraparound um, unique cover for the hardcover. And that is actually on Rough House. You can check it out. And it's really this amazing, uh, you know, the first ones, it's sort of like the, this like beginning of the book where the main character is sort of riding into this dark, creepy, snowy forest and he's surrounded by stuff and he doesn't really see what's going on. And he's, he's you know, this uh, he's ignorant to the, the where he's riding into. And, and it's supposed to be this creepy... Uh, sort of piece that that plays up the horror and uh, and stuff. But the second piece, the the wraparound hardcover roughhouse version, is this giant battle scene, and and you have the main character, and he's he's fighting the titular witch worm, which is this big snakish dragon thing, and um, it's it came out just insane. Uh, and the other some of the other characters are on the back, and. Uh, you really get the scale of how big this creature is supposed to be mm-hmm. um, when you see like one guy fighting the head and two other people fighting the tail. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, it came out really cool and, uh, and stuff. So there's very, there's like drool. 
very which different. worms rule yeah yeah which drool which drool do you mean yes which drool i don't know uh yeah so pretty cool uh and that particular piece that wraparound cover it is limited to 150 pieces and once that sells out it will be gone forever in the future if we do a uh hardcover the plan is to do a hardcover with the standard soft cover artwork so this roughhouse wraparound cover with the battle scene is very limited and uh will not be printed again yeah for you know $50 for the ultimate edition uh which includes everything that you said including the audiobook the pen the stickers the poster it's 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 it it feels like a steal honestly it's true so i uh i can't wait awesome man to get mine so do you think it's time time is it is it time is it time to talk about well i guess another steal samurai you know. cup Go back <laughs> into the way back machine, all the way back to the year of cocaine and big hair, 1991. Yep. So, uh, old listeners, new listeners, etc., etc. Everywhere in we, between. Yep. We do two episodes here each week. Side A, which is our normal pop culture stuff, you know, like stuff that just came out. And, of course, side B. And this week for our side B movie, I I, I let uh, Steve pick the movie. He's like, have you seen, like right away even, <laughs> there was no text message. Have you seen Samurai Cop? As if he'd been waiting for this moment for his entire life. <laughs> he had it already picked out. Hey yeah. man, I love, I'm a connoisseur of bad movies. So yes. uh, at any time I could list you numerous ones you have to see. And, and that's why, what did I, what did I ask you? I said, what decade do you want? I said, it's 50s. True. I, I, even, I even then, I said, I just narrowed it down to two. I said, do you want 50s or 80s? Because I can, I can come up with any name a decade. I can give you movies. But like he said, 80s. And I said, okay, well then. It's te- so it's technically, it came out 91? Yes. yes. It's so 80s though, right? It's so, the most 80s movie I've ever I, seen that didn't yeah. come out in the 80s. I, it, I mean... Yeah, there's a there's a calendar on the wall that says January 1991, but I don't know what reality, what what um, <laughs> what What's, the dude's background. This was, was like the it director. Was, it was so eighty. He's and, done and other I'm, movies. He's done he's done lots of uh, he he did uh, he did one called I think the Young Americans. I think. Um, I don't know. He 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 did some other stuff, um, but so I don't know. So you guys have never previously seen this, correct? I only correct. seen the first time. Whenever you Google like most ridiculous movie moments ever, sure or yeah, best mullets ever. That's yeah. The, yeah. all I know from it. Is that there's a movie yeah. called Samurai Cop? It's supposed to be ridiculous, and it's supposed yeah. to be awful. And and I'm fairly certain that there was at least one character that was sniffing coke right before his scene because when he came out onto camera, he had white powder all over his sure. upper lip. Sure. Hey. Like, you can't brush your lip off, man. What was that? Yeah, that 
It was very chapped underneath and very raw. Yes. So the uh, the biggest star, the star power of this movie is not the samurai cop himself. It is the villain ro- played by Robert Zadar, yes. uh, who is uh, sort of an infamous dude that I don't know if you guys know him by name, but he was in lots of movies, Tango and Cash. He's usually a heavy um and uh he he was in he's in like two or three mystery science theaters uh he's in soul taker and um he is the maniac cop he is the maniac cop yes correct yeah he he has a a very large jaw and it, it was due to the fact that he suffered from cherub syndrome and uh which just causes the uh the bones in the face to to just keep growing and uh and he he had a, a fairly minor case of it, um, and uh, and I, I I like to call um, I like his character in this movie. I like to call him Handsome Zadar, because this is the the the, the most handsome he ever was. And uh, he's got this big beard, and it's like wow, the surface area. I'm not you know I don't I'm not you know not to poke fun at his disability, but he he was a, the surface area of that beard is massive. It's a lot of follicles. Okay. Oh yeah, and it's he a lot filled of it in. It's a it's lot of very filled. I mean, you can look at mine, yeah. and, and I've got you know patch, but his is yeah, and he's got twice the surface area of yeah, your face. His it, it's a fantastic beard. It is. It's a good beard. He looks damn. He looks damn handsome in this. So he's handsome, Zadar. Really? But um, yeah, just a, just a terrible failure of a movie on every possible level. Like ever, like just simple shots. Like the dialogue aside, oh. like there's plenty of movies with atrocious dialogue. And I don't think this is the worst movie ever made. That, that is Birdemic shock and terror, but this, this, this was fun. Birdemic sucks. I still claim the worst movie ever made is Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) It's just different. It's like a whole, whole other scale. I mean, Batman and Robin. And that's, that's why it's so bad. It's because, it had all the funding and every right to be a decent movie, and they just failed at every turn. Now let's let's do this. This movie is so bad. We've jumped over our our introduction here. Let me do this. Oh, right. okay. So yes, please do the introduction. I'm sorry. So Samurai no, Samurai Cop uh, was released November 1991. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Amir Shervan, uh, starring Robert Zadar, which we talked about, Matthew Caritas, Janice Farley, and Mark Fraser, amongst others. Uh, the synopsis, which Sometimes is right, sometimes is wrong. Joe Marshall and Frank Washington are two tenacious police detectives who seek at all costs to stop the Katana, yes. a, renegade, <laughs> a renegade Yakuza gang composed of violent and sadistic killers who want to lead the drug trade in Los Angeles. Eh, sure. It's close. It's close. Enough. It's fine. Or it's so bad that I just missed that That's, whole part. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we usually talk just about our initial thoughts of this movie. So, Rob, just initial I even, thoughts. I even texted you guys while I was watching this because I was like, holy crap, this movie is so freaking terrible, and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> yes. Because this, yes. this is, without question, <laughs> one of those movies that is so bad it's enjoyable. It's, it's a net. It's like you it, feel I'm bad like, for it. Yeah. Like every second, you're like, what? Yeah. They tried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of. They tried with, with no talent. Yeah. The, 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 no understanding of anything. No. 
Like they didn't understand what, sh- what like photography was mm-hmm. like. They didn't, they didn't know anything. They didn't I have more notes long. for this movie than I have for any movie we've ever my, covered uh, because excellent. I only wrote You're the welcome. ridiculous my, stuff. Down. My initial, nice. my first uh, inclination as to how this movie was going to go was the, uh, the car chase. And Yep. You can tell. Shoot him! Shoot him! You can tell Shoot that him. this was filmed. Shoot him! Shoot him! <laughs> just replayed Shoot the him. same clip over that, and over and over. That, the ADR was completely terrible, but the the car chase was filmed much slower, and then they sped it up. <laughs> yeah. So it just yeah. <laughs> I noticed that too. By trying to make it look yeah. faster and punchier. It just made it look like a goofy, like, you know, what do they call it? Uh, early, uh, early silent. Like film. an end credit scene from Benny Hill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about you, Steve? What? Uh, how many times have you seen this? <laughs> um, at least, at least five. I've seen this. Wow. Um, <clears throat> the, so I've only seen it the Rift Tracks version once. I preferred to watch it normal. <laughs> um, because it just is one of those rare cases where it is it is enjoyable enough, and uh, and I'm not sure why that is, but um, I don't know. Like I said, as a connoisseur of bad movies, I've seen a lot, and uh, you know, my wife is always up for watching terrible movies with me, and most of my friends are always always down for it. So it's like you know we do it a lot, and this just this I don't know this one transcends like I don't know why like I would never watch there are episodes of Mystery Science Theater I love and I've seen a million times I could my favorite episode is probably pod people and I I do not think I could get through pod people without the commentary but uh, for some Mitchell would be mine I mean Mitchell's Mitchell's right there it's like you know I was actually going to reference Mitchell that that's like the, the speed of the car chase um, yes uh, oh my god the, the headlight fixed itself um <laughs> Intense merging action. Yes. Uh, oh man, this is hard after three sour cream burritos. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, big bu- big buttery moon up there. Oh, big, oh man, <laughs> oh, man. I'm so hungry. Didn't get to finish my orange. Stairs look like cake. Uh, all right, so um, <laughs> it's done. It's broken. Uh, yeah, I mean those those two are my favorites. It, Mitchell and Pod people. Um, but with this one, there is something about it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I like, I love, I love talking about this movie and I love pointing out all the, the, like, I mean, the badness is rampant, but like some of it's so specific, like for instance, okay. The car chase, right? Okay. So did you notice that like a, you never see two people in the same car? It's like Matt and his partner, what Frank, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be in the same car. Yep. Driver's seat, mm-hmm. passenger seat. Okay. There's like, there are no shots of them in the same shot. They are supposed to be in the same car, but when they, when they film Matt, who's driving, it's from the passenger seat. Like the guy was sitting next to him instead of the actor playing Frank. And he was filming him that way. And then when you'd see Frank, they only filmed him for some reason from the back seat, but it was in such a way that you could never see Matt. So it doesn't catch actually feel like they're in the same car. Mm-hmm. Like, watch that scene again. See, I think that's one of the things. I'm fascinated by how god-awful this freaking movie oh, yeah. is. Like, they do not feel like they're in the same car at all. They don't feel like they're ever in the same scene. There's right? so many shots. Oh, so true. So true. They could be in the where, same like, room. F- where uh, Frank's shot. Yep. 
seems like the the film is yellowed. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's like where shows is blue. And I location. don't know why. Yep. Yeah. And they, they for all those like uh, they have all those like reaction shots with Frank making funny faces and stuff that feel like they were just added on a different day. Yeah. Um, it's it's absolutely bonkers. And did you guys notice like how Matt's hair was sometimes a wig? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I was wondering if I was seeing something. I was like, it, is he? Is he wearing? No, that looks like real hair. <laughs> no, sometimes it was. And, and then the next scene, I'm like, well, that looks like a friggin' wig. Did he? know? <laughs> I mean, there are fight scenes where you can see it come off his yeah. head, and it has a white. This is a white strap holding onto his head. Yep, yeah, he uh, it come away like, from his head and snap back. So they they he thought they had finished. Oh. The actor thought that they had finished filming, so he cut Ooh, his hair. Right, and then because they were like, oh, we're gonna do some principal photography, and then okay, we filmed the movie, but then they're like. No, he only filmed half of the movie. Yeah, he was like, "What?" And they were freaked out that he didn't that he cut his hair. So they just bought whatever wig they could afford, which was like a women's a woman's wig, and like that's why he's like wearing a baseball hat at the beginning over it, and the wig like has bangs sometimes and doesn't have bangs other times. And I'm like, that hat doesn't fit your head, bro. Oh no, no, it's like it's just like resting on top. My <laughs> yeah. wife just pointed that out to class. Oh, she's like, oh my god, the hat's not even on. I so love this funny. movie too uh, much more yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot. It's weird, like you know, you can talk. We we're I assume we're all movie fans. You can dissect a good movie all day long, but bad movies not necessarily. Sometimes, it's like oh god, that sucked, and you just want to be be rid of it. You want to go take a shower and be cleanse yourself. Um, <clears throat> birdemic. But um, yeah, I mean, this was like I don't know. It's I it's endlessly fascinating to me for some reason. I I don't know why, but. Man, the uh, the dialogue is so unlike humans. Oh yeah, and yeah. what it reminds me is uh, what it reminds me of is is Troll Two. Have you guys seen Troll Two? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So we did that just a couple of weeks ago. Actually. We, oh, we nice. might have actually nice. done Troll Two on the same episode that you re- reviewed your book. Oh, that's that's awesome. So have you? It's possible. Now, have you? Seen, we did it in October. Have you seen the um the movie yeah. Best Worst Movie, which is the oh, yeah. documentary? Yeah. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. As we learned from Best Worst Movie, it was really a, ma- a matter – the reason why nobody sounds like p- real people is because the director of that movie was was very Italian, didn't really speak English mm-hmm. at all, and and demanded that nobody change any of his lines. And even when the actors were like, nobody would say this exactly, but we know what you mean. Let me say this. This is this is more like somebody would actually say. And he would yell at them and say, I know American teenagers. I know. You know, it's like, I trust me, I know the guy who barely speaks, I know better than you do. Um, and Telling that's, the American teenagers, right? <laughs> but Samurai Cop has that same thing. It's like nobody would say, Do you like what you see? Do you want to touch what you see? Do you want to fuck me in a hospital? Like, and that nurse never comes back. She just, she was her only scene. Though. Rob works in a hospital. Oh, I came back. So what? is that do you do you ever say bingo to nurses when they bingo. come on to you like that? <laughs> bingo. And right directly into the stethoscope, you're like bingo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know how many times I've had that opportunity. Mm. Gotta make that. Probably shouldn't talk about it live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's I, let's jump right into that real quick. The the misogyny. Yeah, this is not the the social justice podcast, but 
every time we watch one of these old movies, I'm like, women have a point. <laughs> like you watch some of these uh, these movies and like the the way this guy is acting throughout it and just the way it's filmed. Like, oh yeah, there were some uncomfortable shots. Mm-hmm. This thing and there was like in my notes here, I was when they were doing the very long makeout scene and the guy was very clearly jamming his tongue into uh, the, the girl's mouth. I was like, this actress did not get paid enough for this movie. No, she oh. did not. Definitely not. I mean, as you know, she, she was, I guess a model of some sort of like a swimsuit model. And are you talking about the female lead or are you talking about the, the female, the female lead in the, the like 15 minute sex scene in the bed oh, God, yeah. with, where he's wearing the, the speedo and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, He's going at it like he's got he's the, like the Tommy Wiseau moves before they were Tommy's. Yep. And he's like undoing oh, yeah. bras. And I'm like, man, that's wow. This is getting okay. Then he starts pulling down her underwear. I'm like, this is getting more intense than I was expecting. And I was hoping my wife would not wake up. What are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Have your kid wander down the stairs. Yeah. Steve made me do it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's super uncomfortable, way extended scenes where it's just in full light and everything. It's like, oh, my God, these are these are these are not sexy. (laughs) And like every again speaks to how inept the filmmakers were. They didn't understand anything. Yeah, (laughs) anything at all. Like nothing. Like she goes to answer the phone fully naked and they like didn't even give her the like decency of allowing her to cover with a a. uh, sheet there's a couple parts where she's like moving and she like you can tell she's trying to cover herself with her hand (laughs) right like right yeah and i mean it's it's interesting too because you know after the 70s exploitation was you know a, a, a bankable thing um but before that like you know you talk about the misogyny angle it's like oh my god even going back to like just innocent movies that feel innocent in the 50s or whatever like i love old old movies and it's just a little bit different. It's not that kind of stuff, obviously, but it is just a matter of, holy crap, can there be one decent female character ever? Like, just any, anybody? Who, any, like, come on, Bueller, anybody? Is anybody here who that just doesn't need saving all the time? Like, oh, my God. But, yeah, yeah, that's the way it was. So this one had some uh, had some stuff. Okay, so I, I know we're we're – here just to talk about this, not all bad movies. Because now I just want to talk about like every bad movie I want to talk about. But you can be here every week. Um, we do, uh, do a bad movie every week. Okay. Have you guys seen Miami Connection? Oh yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. We uh, this was filmed that was filmed in Orlando. So we not only have seen it, we've been to most of the places involved yeah. in the movie. Oh my god, this is amazing. That is true. Oh my god. Oh my god. You guys are good people to know. So so the, the, the parking ends, lot. The parking lot on the college campus mm-hmm. like when they're the, i think it's the first karate battle in that movie mm-hmm. uh, it's on the ucf campus it is like one parking lot away from where my wife parks for work every day that's a that oh my god it's amazing never once well, has she gotten in a ninja battle not uh, once you know it's because i, I tell her be careful the evil ninjas that's why dragon that's sound cleaned up <laughs> that's why and that dude's dojo is somewhere in orlando martial too. arts world grandmaster yeah. yk kim Still very much YK can. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Oh my. Yeah, we're not just giant mice and overpriced, uh, you know, uh, souvenirs here. We, we got YK Kim. <laughs> right. Right. Um, 
alligator alligators. That was one of my picks. <laughs> also, oh no, he's saying Orlando. Yes, we do have alligators. Met alligators. What? Well, and and do you know any personally alligator as well? Yes. Oh. Yeah, I see them all the time. I I I'm, uh, I, I kayak down here a lot, and uh, yeah. Have you ever been killed and eaten by an alligator, Almost. Jimmy? Almost within the past year. Nice. Um, I've never. I mean, I mean, nice that you survived. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. I've never been that close. Like I've been close enough, but it's usually in canals, and I'm up on the street. I've lived in two separate locations where we've had like just little ponds behind where I lived. I've got a little pond behind my townhome now. And I also lived in Boynton where at the apartment complex, they had a little pond and there were gators living in both of those. And I mean, finally they cleared out the one behind my home now, but the, I mean, I told the people at the, at the apartment complex about it. They're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) It stayed there forever. And anytime somebody walked their dog down by the water, it would come swimming up and just kind of sit there for a second, just waiting for somebody to get close. Jesus. <laughs> they, they, they largely leave people alone. Yeah. It's the, I mean, every once in a while there's a tragedy. Yeah. But, but you have, the, and, the, and you yeah. have, oh, no. I, yeah. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to diversify uh, Florida. Uh, we got, we got the alligators, we got deer, Bob, there's a bobcat in my neighborhood. That's, it's pretty accurate. And and then of course and then of course we have Florida man who yeah. jumps in and attacks the alligator. Yeah. When it bites his dog, there was a story about that not too long ago. The, I was going to mention Florida man. Dog. Yeah. And he jumped he jumped right in and snatched his dog back from the gator. Manatees. Oh yes, manatees. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's do this. All right, there's so much to say about this movie. Uh, I'm trying to think where I want to go. Here. Let's. Um, uh, what is katana? What is what does that mean? Um, it <clears throat> it means Japanese sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really, Matt? It means that. It doesn't go. It means so, Japanese sword. The okay. whole samurai thing in general. Like, why are they referring to him as samurai? No reason at all. None. I mean, yeah. he can clearly quote unquote air quote fight with a katana but um there's no like good explanation i think there's like a throwaway line of dialogue that says he trained with the masters in the east or something yeah. i don't know like they didn't even yeah know. again he doesn't they don't know how to do anything so this is screenwriting when you don't know how to do anything yep so there yeah there's no reason for him to be samurai maybe he was like a cop that polices samurai <laughs> <laughs> unless there were a bunch of samurai like an mp send him to the samurai division <laughs> I mean, technically, I don't know why Rob is Chocolate Thunder. Uh, only tonight. <laughs> I mean, there there's, there must be a reason, but I just, it hasn't been revealed. Well, if he uh, ever stays at your house. Well, yeah. Oh, it's a poop thing. It could be. <laughs> it might Definitely. be. It is. For a while, Rob was a traveling nurse, and he would stay at my house because we've known each other since high school. Actually, uh, where where Derek would stay over the summers was my neighborhood down south. And Rob lived in that neighborhood too. So when he was traveling around much later in life, he would stay at my house and obliterate my guest bathroom. I would. 
I would I would come back every year for a week for Halloween Horror Nights. And then you'd come out and you'd be like, Chocolate Thunder, bitch. And you do like the, right. the x that, that is only a one-episode nickname. Uh, we change our nicknames each week. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, And I had seen uh, a story about John Cougar Mellencamp, and I was like, I want to go with middle, nick- middle name nicknames this week. And that's where it kind of happened. Because your middle name is Chocolate? Yeah. No, just, just making it stuff will up. will be tonight. Nice. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I, I wanted to talk I, a little I bit here. Talk about taking a dump in his pool. So, I mean, I, I do want no. to hear that story. I think the listeners deserve it. They've heard it. <laughs> it's it's been a thing. They they were threatening to to do that, which gotcha. is why I now live in a gated community with armed guards. <laughs> gotcha. And the the Gibby Five uh, podcast compound is locked down from the hosts, the guest hosts. With the, the co-host. I need to talk really quick about... Well, we talked about the reaction shots. Those made the movie for me. But we talked a lot about the mistakes. And I think one of my favorite mistakes, I don't know if really anyone else noticed it, but there's this one chase scene where he's running along a fence and there's a cocker spaniel on the other side of the fence that's going ape shit. No, I never, <laughs> never noticed this. But like the lead character, it's like the towards the very end. He runs around a corner, he runs towards the camera and then makes like a left and there's a just a regular chain link fence and very clearly they were just filming near someone's house and the person had their dog mm-hmm. out. And there's a brown cocker spaniel hauling ass <laughs> trying to get him. Oh, and I lost it because like you had seen these things about like, well, yeah, every single scene in this movie was done in one take. Yeah. And I'm like, you never see... If you see a dog running on a, behind a fence in a movie, it's for a reason. Like they, right. oh, that dog's going to get out. That dog's right. going to be part of the movie. It's going to attack the guy when he jumps over the fence. Whatever, but it's just there, going the dog ballistic. Dog was... <laughs> and then right after that, I believe soon thereafter or soon before one of the two, like I'm convinced that when he couldn't open up the sliding glass door when he get when the lead guy goes to attack the the group of drug dealers, whatever. <laughs> And he can't open up the sliding glass door. I'm convinced that that wasn't part yeah. of the movie. Yeah, I feel like he was. Just this they forgot to unlock it. Yeah, because he like reaches it, he's like, and then they cut away, and everyone has time to go away, and they cut back, and he opens it up smoothly. And I'm like, no, they forgot to unlock the door. There's no way. <laughs> it, just, it just makes me think of uh, Have you guys seen Ed Wood, the uh, yeah. oh, Johnny yeah. Depp movie? And and there's like a scene where, um, the you know George Animal Steel playing George, playing Tor Johnson. Uh, is trying to get through a door and he like he slams his shoulder on the door and they're like Ed, don't you want to cut? And he's like he's like no. He's like in real life he would have to deal with this very thing. Getting through <laughs> doors would be very difficult. We should keep it in. It's real. They obviously <laughs> in real life there would be a cocker spaniel yeah, next door. They obviously couldn't afford to bring anyone back for reshoots. Uh, there's the uh, the sliding glass door. And there's also our uh, our hero Joe Marshall goes to slap the cuffs on someone at some point, like they do real cool like in the the police movies. He goes to slap it on it; it doesn't quite work, so he has to just kind of <laughs> cinch yes. it around. And it's just I I literally want to go watch this movie as soon as we're done talking. Yeah. I Why? just watched it for this <laughs> because I, I'm a sadist, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that it was a mistake, but it was something that I caught watching through it. And I rewound it a couple of times to show my friend. I was like, do you see this shit? I was like, <laughs> what? 
What? I'm like, look, tell me if you notice what I just saw. And I rewound it a couple of times, but it's the scene where um, Robert Zadar and his like two or three henchmen are sneaking up on the house where he's having sex with the, with the female lead. Mm-hmm. And you know, his buddy calls him and he's like, they're coming, get out of the house or whatever. Yeah, he yeah. does not talk with that much urgency at all. Well, he's like, they are coming. You there, need to leave now. <laughs> there's a scene where they're walking around the backyard and they walk up behind this giant leafy tree. And he kind of stands behind the leaves and pulls down to oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like he's hiding. Right. I'm like, there's literally nothing covering your lower half. What are you doing? Leafy, but it's uh <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are we playing peekaboo? What is? Oh, I don't man. get it. I was like, oh my god. Oh, so good. He's like, I can't see me. I, I, I did uh, the <laughs> all of the the minions in this movie. All of the 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 thugs and the mm-hmm. henchmen, which you see multiple times, mm-hmm. are like. There's the preppy one, and then there's like the ponytail one, and then whatever. But like, I got to the point, so I started actually. Uh, making a list here um i might be wrong here but let's just guess how many mullets were in this movie uh do do you have the right answer the real answer i I think so i i i there was a couple blonde dudes that looked similar that may may or may not have been the same guy or it's probably the same actor but different characters now you're i'll go one more than 10 11 11. For those out there who aren't good at math. Or, or those who really 11. do enjoy this. Is spinal I'm going to say 16. 16. I'm going to say 9. What? 9. So technically, Jimmy would have won because you guys went over. It was 10 uh, that I could mm, Dang it. But his um, everyone from the, the blonde dude on the roof. There was like an old guy with a mullet. <laughs> there was, there was blonde dude on the roof I didn't had an inside-out Metallica shirt on. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, you because they that. couldn't afford to advertise. Yeah, they're going to come after us. You're like, don't you know the the drum of that band? Oh my god! In 1991, Metallica would have gotten really lawsuit happy. But <laughs> this movie had a fucking Suzuki sidekick. Yes, it did. And that just made it for me. Now, my favorite part, the worst part of this movie for me, was the ADR. So the dialogue replacement. Yeah. They could not afford to bring anybody back. So I feel like so in watching scenes where they had to, which every movie, I mean, you basically have to go through and do the dialogue over again. They had the same guy. And it was the guy who talked like, yeah, get him. So yep, I heard every of one of the henchmen sounded the same. And even at some <laughs> point, you know, different characters that did have speaking roles, they had to fill it in there. Like the boss of the Katana gang. He's talking, he's fine. And, and yeah, I mean, he talked like that. Yeah. Yeah. Get him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's him right there. That's so. him. And, and talking about the henchmen, there was a point in this movie that I absolutely lost it because I was watching it with a friend. And it's the scene right after the confrontation at the restaurant when they go out to the, to the car. And then Robert Zadar comes out. And just stares at him for a minute and then like calls all his henchmen in and they introduce the henchmen one at a time. And you've got like 
You've got like the, the big black guy and then you've got the, the skinny white guy and then you've got the Asian guy and then you've got the skinny. And I'm <laughs> and my friend's watching this and he goes, what is this rainbow motley crew bunch of ragtag ragamuffins? <laughs> it's like, it was such a perfect description of just the group of guys that they pulled in. Yeah. It was like they went out yeah. onto the street and were like, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. We, we need you to just walk on camera. Come here. Just just, just walk hey, past the camera. Man. Yeah. Amazing. I, you mentioned the car, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, at one point, the, the lead dude does have a 1987 Honda Prelude, the red car. Uh, as well as the was it Caprice Classic is the black and silver car. But I only know this because I found a new website as a result of this movie, the IM, IMCDB, the Internet Movie Car Database, which you can actually search movies by cars that are inside of them. <clears throat> oh, wow. It, it's an exhausting resource that I never knew existed. Someone spent a lot of time screenshotting every single car in this movie. <laughs> wow! I was like, I know, because I saw that red car, and I'm like, is that a Fiero? Oh, no, it's an XR40. No, and I was like, ah, oh, it's a Prelude. Oh, I forgot about the Prelude, and yeah, I went down a rabbit hole of looking at movie cars. Um, with that, so there you go. All there's some dude that just screenshots car movies all the time, or move cars in movies all the time, and does that apparently. Yep. Um, I'm just I'm just looking at some quotes of this movie, and uh, I'm realizing we haven't mentioned the police captain, who was in a few scenes and had one really important quote. I would say which one is that? I have one. Which one? That's when he says, like he's he's reacting because you know every police captain in in movies for the 80s and 90s, especially, just had to be you know like strung out to the max and uh, basically like you know the human version of Kermit on the Muppet show, you know, just one coffee away from exploding and like, right. you know, everybody's on his last nerve and he's so frustrated. And, you know, so that's what he is in this. He's like, well, he's playing that archetype. And then, so, you know, of course his two sergeants or whatever, you know, finally they piss him off and then he gets out of, they get out of his hair. And he says, quote, out of absolutely nowhere, this doesn't make any sense at all, even with context. So it's fine. He says, I feel like someone stuck a big club club up my ass and it hurts. <laughs> I got to figure out a way to get it out of there. Oh, that's <laughs> Was he the cocaine guy, Rob? No. What's that? Was no, what? No, no. Was he the no. cocaine guy? No. That's the one quote from the captain I wrote down. I mean, that is that is one of the quotes of the movie, I feel. Like one of the like the big the big 7. Uh, I'll just call yeah. it the big 7. I don't know if there's 7. <laughs> but hey, like, well, there, there, was, there was one, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was talking to the lawyer and told him to fuck off or something. And then he had like a great line. What's that? <laughs> it's like, fuck you, get a job or something like that. One guy. Yeah. yeah. He, the, the captain goes far beyond any other 80s or 90s movie. He's like, go kill him. <laughs> it's like, I, what? I started watching the Rift Tracks version of this and then I stopped because they, they took, not two of my jokes, but like, I didn't want to be to accidentally steal from them because I caught a couple of things they noticed, which is very rare. One that the soundtrack sounded like an old Nintendo game. <laughs> oh yeah. It yeah, sounded yeah. like the streets. It was Casio Riffic. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing was that the captain was like severely strung out and angry and like far at a much higher level than any other one. I was be like, that was my captain to be like, yeah, this dude's going to shoot up the office. Like, like he was insane. 
that's why I was wondering if he was the cocaine guy. Who's who was on? Who was the cocaine guy? Rob? The, the the cop, the other cop, the the dude, the older white dude. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I I, I found the uh, the scene that describes why Joe Marshall is called Samurai. It's oh. between uh, Robert Zadar and the the main bad guy that just talked like this. exactly like that. Who's, who's Fujiyama? So Fujiyama says, "So they call him Samurai, huh?" And then Zadar says, yes, his real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. There you go. The masters in Japan. The masters. The, 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 the ones. The masters in Japan. He. He doesn't speak a lick of Japanese. No, I think I needed that that little airplane going, you know, the little airplane with the dotted line going from Japan to San Diego and then that up to Los Angeles. Yeah, I that think I needed nice. the, the... that would have sold it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a visual guy. I need I need stuff explained to me visually. So yeah, yeah. He could have at least yeah. had a samurai suit of armor in the corner of his apartment. I just think that's the lamest excuse for a character backstory. I mean, Greg, even you who gets instantly bored with world building and backstories need more than that. I have no doubt, right? That's oh, not enough for you. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. He was trained I need, I need by the in Japan. Knows Japanese. Well, he knew what the word katana meant. <laughs> Japanese. Really? It means Japanese, Japanese sword. That's right. They call him a samurai. Well, one time he ate at a Benihana. Good <laughs> uh, enough for me. That would have been far more believable. That would have, <laughs> would have been fine with that. And one yeah. time he ate at a Benihana and he used chopsticks. <laughs> exactly. Got a samurai over here. <laughs> so we've talked about sex. We talked about. Uh, let's talk about violence. I oh, like I violence. found the, the the captain. You motherfucker! I'll see you in hell. Leave me alone. Get a job. That was <laughs> Is that how he fires people? Like that? That's what he said to the lawyer. The lawyer. He says that to the lawyer. He says, "You motherfucker! I'll see you in hell. Leave me alone. Get a job." He throws him to get a job. He's there, be doing his work, sir. He has a job. He's doing his job. clearly Damn. he has a job. You know, before that, he said, fuck you and your client. Now you get your ass out of my office, or you'll have to go to surgery to get my foot out of it. Get out of here, you asshole. Leave me alone. <laughs> I've got more important things than a shyster like you. Get out of here. God. Oh, This movie might be the best movie ever made. I mean, I, mean, I think it might be. So, violence, you guys, uh, Jimmy, you specifically said that you really liked some of the kills in this, and then Rob agreed in our little chat room. So, any specific kills? The uh, the throwing of the katana at uh, mulleted goon number six. <laughs> I love mulleted goon number Where six. Where uh, yeah. the katana flies through the air, and he uh, chops his arm off, and he falls out of Oh yeah, that's, yeah, yes, yes. Probably my favorite. I think the preppy getting his arm cut off was pretty big for me early on. 
Yeah, the, yeah, I like that one. I just I just enjoy the arm chopping. Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. It, was I, so, it was so out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that, like, hyper-violence, like, at all. <laughs> Whoa, okay, hello. I was a little, I was actually a little shocked and <clears throat> concerned about the, the one cop and his wife getting killed. I was like, whoa. Like, yeah, I, that, was that was a little bit of a shock. Like, oh, damn. She almost died in a Papa's on chair. Like, had she not stood up, she would have died in a Papa's on chair, which I, I <laughs> think is the, is the worst way to die. Yeah. Like, no one wants to die in a Papa's on chair. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are worse ways to die. I mean, what if you died peacefully in a Papazon? That's not it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing, but certainly can't be the worst way to go. Wildest. I mean, I'm sure alligator deaths are worse than a Papazon death. Yeah. Well, we'll try that out. What about alligator death in a Papazon? I mean, that would be bad. This is Florida. I guarantee it's happened. <laughs> that did we had, but probably worse because of the gator, not not the pop. Yeah, not the pop. <laughs> did we ever really find out what happened to the female cop after she got burned with all the grease? Oh right, no. They're just like ah, fucker. That was gone. yeah, that terrible. looked painful. That was terrible. Like my god, so extended. Of course, it was happening off screen, but man, the uh, the Robert Zadar character really really uneven character. He almost felt like at the beginning, like you're like, Oh, he's kind of like going to be the smart cultured bad guy who's just doing his job. And then at various random points, he was like psychotic and uh, super intense, just waving that sword around. Like he had never done it before. And I'm sure oh, he it showed. <laughs> That's all right. Robert Zadar so- was, was a cool guy. So much in this movie. <laughs> I like. I know we're like we're we're going long, which is fine because it's a good movie to talk about. I just um, I'm just trying to make sure we cover everything. This movie was a uh, for the most part a ripoff of Lethal Weapon. It was kind of supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that a little. There's there's actually a lot on this movie out there. Like we've we've done some movies recently where we try to look up like other information about the movie, and it'll just say like this movie sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> great, okay. Why? Uh, this one, so the director, Amir Shervin, he wanted to make a version of Lethal Weapon. Of course, every movie back then had to have a ninja or a samurai or something like that. So that was a, a big deal. Um, he cast his version of Riggs as Matt Hannon, which is, uh, or Matthew Caritas as Joe Marshall. Joe had long flowing hair, loves the ladies, speaks fluent Japanese, and has the nickname of Samurai as the toughest cop on the street. And then Murtaugh is Mark Frazier, Frank Washington. And this, this article said, Frank is a straight up pimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, I did, one of the other little fun things I noticed, they, the final battle between uh, Joe and, uh, and uh, Robert Zadar's character, they start off on the side of a hill with a bunch of like aloe plants. They change and then, scene, the, the and they change scenery, scene. and they're in like a big open park. Yep, and you see, you see what's behind him, where, and it's also a different time of day. You see what's behind him, like the the cop, and then you see what's, and then he throws Robert Zadar. So you see the other angle. So there's no aloe plants. There's no uh, anything. They're nowhere near that other more deserty area, and you only and notice it like because a cliff or some shit. Yeah, and like you only notice it because I, when one of them enters the scene, he bumps into the aloe plant. So like, or like the whatever the sago palm, whatever that spiky plant is. <laughs> There's it's definitely a It is some sort of succulent. Yeah, he bumps into it, and then it's just gone forever. And they're fighting somewhere else in a park. 
And that's also the fight scene where sometimes there's a wig, sometimes there isn't. Every different shot. Sometimes there's a cocker spaniel behind the fence. Yeah, there's a, that movie would be great if there's a cocker spaniel going ape shit in every shot. I really want to see this ape shit spaniel. You're, it, I'm, I've probably oversold it, but it it made <clears> me laugh my ass off. But also, I grew up with cocker spaniels, and I understand the pain of an angry cocker Very. spaniel. <laughs> I have scars all over my body from angry cocker spaniels. Evil, evil dogs. And then did did anybody else notice when they got ready to start their their katana battle? That they oh, started off extraordinarily yeah. far apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they had to walk a mile to get to each other, and I'm like, "What? What just happened? This is a super wide shot. It was like they took it from across a ravine just so they could get them both in the shot." Yeah. Uh, this so a couple other. Do we have any other uh, movie things we'd like to talk about? Because I do have some stuff about the movie that I can. <clears throat> I'm going to drop. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could not find the budget. Uh, the box office, at least when it has been released in theater, was 384756 There was a sequel released not too long ago. Was it 2015 or something? Mm-hmm. Samurai yeah. Cop 2, which was, uh, I believe, produced. I kind of pieced this together myself. I think it was produced by Hannon's daughter, or Caritas' daughter, which means that his daughter saw this movie with her father wearing nothing but a speedo making out with various naked women and decided, I want to produce the second one of this movie, <laughs> which is problematic. And it's like, she's like, dad, this movie is the best thing you've ever done. And I'm counting myself. Yes, exactly. I just, I'm about to start film school and I think that I need to produce the second one of these movies. A uh, little bit of history. We do. We always do history of when this, what was going on when this movie came out. Sometimes it's boring. A lot of times it's like communist stuff, like weird little communist stories, like that we kind of run into, but this one is big because this was, it came out technically November of 1991. And almost, I remember almost every single thing here. So the last of the Kuwait oil firewells was extinguished. So remember that Boris Yeltsin outlawed the communist party. Uh, This was the month that magic Johnson announced that he has HIV. Mm, wow. Um, for I put this one in for Jimmy. Tom Glavin wins the Cy Young. <clears throat> yeah, Tommy. The Braves. Uh, I remember this like it was yesterday because I, I actually was excited for this for some reason. The black or white video premiering on Fox with Michael Jackson and I us was, being very confused that, that he went apeshit and like broke up that set. I was also um, excited for that. Because it was after yeah. The Simpsons or something like, or Living Color uh, or something. Living Color, totally. It was, yeah. Yep. So that, that premiered. Uh, Freddie Mercury confirmed that he had AIDS and then died the following day. And which probably should have been the lead there, but um, also uh, Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan for the title for the first time. Boom. Yep. The top five movies that this, if this movie ever made it to the theater, that would have had to bet mm-hmm. to battle it out. Cape Fear, Curly Sue, All I Want for Christmas, People Under the Stairs, and Little Man Tate. Little Man Tate. Um. The number one song in America was Cream by Prince, which you have not lived until you see your mother singing that song around the house and dancing, because that was my mom's favorite song at that point of time, and I hate my life. But you, at least you've lived. Yes, exactly. Uh, Can't Stop This Thing, We've Started by Brian Adams, number two. When a Man Loves a Woman, Michael Bolton, number three. It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday by Boys to Men. Great song. Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn and OPP. 
by naughty by nature. Hmm. Yeah, you know me. So those were the those were the big things that were going on at the time that this movie came out. It really s- hammered home just how terrible this movie is. Considering I remember all of those things and all of the movies that I was seeing around those time were so much better, <laughs> so much better. I mean, so. that's not fair. All movies of of any time are so much better. But I mean, like, yeah, true, true. But see, like, the thing is, like, there's there's this weird. There's this weird thing that happens sometimes with bad movies where they just they just go around and somehow they they're so bad they they turn around and they're they're good. And like there's a million other movies that are kind of bad and they're not as bad and they're just forgettable. And you you never want to watch it a second time. You're like, "Oh my god, this is freaking awful." Um, We've done a few of those. I would I would even say that Batman and Robin is a fun terrible movie. Like I'll watch that. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I'm with you, but I mean, there are plenty of movies that I would just never see again that are just like. Have you eh. seen Sharkenstein? <laughs> I have not seen Sharkenstein. I don't see a lot of bad shark movies. They don't really. Uh, they're not my favorite. We I should send. Him, we it. should send him the that, three pack. That, the, the shark three pack. <laughs> I was in Walmart and found a three pack of shark movies for five bucks and made him watch it. <laughs> I'd be happy to get nice. that out of my possession. <laughs> if you want it if you want it send me your address and jimmy will send it to you i don't um so that was the history of this whole thing um what else do we do oh so uh we usually kind of do an order thing this we're gonna kind of push that to the the order of all the movies we've watched this year how quality they are but we'll put that on the website as soon as i get a chance to get that squared away this is uh i would say personally this was better than microwave massacre <laughs> oh you have you seen Microwave Massacre? I have not. I don't know if you should. Yes, you know you should. Should I? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's awful okay. as well. Not this, not good awful though. Close to good awful. See this one in Miami Connection. I, I they both hold a special place in my heart that I rather watch them without like funny commentary, and I don't get sick of them. I can watch them over and over. There is, not I think bad. this movie, Miami Connection, are, one of, are those movies that are, are made with good intentions. And yes. there's other movies that you see where they're made with either I just want to make money or I want to see women naked. Now, this one's close to that one, to the I want to see women naked thing. Mm. But I would, I would you know. add a third one to that, which is the Sharknado problem, which is things that are trying to recapture good bad movies they're like i'm gonna make a good bad movie and mm-hmm. i kind of understand what why it was good but i i just don't think you can replicate it because of the intentions that you mentioned i think it really is like the heart has to be in the right place i mean yk kim tried his absolute best to make the best action movie ever made yeah. and 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 it's like the charm is there it's awful but like I don't know. Like I'm charmed as hell by Miami connection. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like something like a Sharknado doesn't get the subtleties of like someone in the middle of a death scene peeking up to make sure the camera's on or off. Like the stunt man <laughs> on fire who looks over at the camera in the middle, in the middle of being on fire, like, Oh, there, and puts his head back yeah. down. There are movies that we have seen that absolutely recognize that they're a steaming pile of shit. And they just lean into it. Mm-hmm. And some of those movies can be really, I, I feel like Velocipaster was one of those. I still haven't seen it. I didn't want to, but it's very entertaining. Yeah. Very entertaining. And 
we we enjoyed the hell out of it, but it was it was a steaming pile. It was like, man, this is. But at every turn, like they were just like, yeah, we know it's terrible. So what? Here, watch this. <laughs> so yeah. how would you rank uh, Velocipaster if if I give you if you had to watch Velocipaster, uh, Wolf Cop, and uh, let's say I was a teenage wear skunk? I've not seen the latter, but we've seen zombie beavers. Um, zombie beavers, then. Oh God, I love Zombievers. <sighs> uh, ooh, that's tough. See, Zombiever has like some really good transformations, and it has the great theme. It has the the Grizzly Beaver, <laughs> which is only in it for one second. But I mean, he's a star. So worth it. He's a star of the. Movie. Oh hell yeah! Um, I would do Zombievers. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn. That's tough because uh, Wolf Cop, good. Uh, I enjoyed Wolf Cop. Yeah. I laughed harder in Velocipaster than I did in Wolf Cop. Okay. I would probably say Zombievers, Velocipaster, than Wolf Cop. I, I would agree. I didn't think that Zombievers really <clears throat> was as funny as I thought it was going to be. Like, it was entertaining. I mean, it had some good creature effects and good practical effects for sure. Um, but I I expected it to be like Tucker and Dale funny, and it's just mm-hmm. not at all. Like not even a little bit. And a lot of the jokes kind of don't land, or they come off as like you know it's just they're all sex based. And um, I don't know. Like it was it was definitely not as good as I wanted it to be. But I still liked it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I for funny like I definitely thought Wolf Cop was a lot funnier. Um, I, just, I was all over the ending credits song. The the lounge singer singing Zombievers. Okay. I don't even remember. That that almost Zombievers. made me Beavers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zombievers. I think the, like, the oh next Oh my god. I think the next question I have for Steve is why do you hate Canada? Um, and Canadians. Because uh, clearly you do. <laughs> do I? I don't know. <laughs> it's where Z- I think Zombievers was made there. Actually, um, I think Wolf Cop was too. I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm really good friends with uh, this guy named uh, Zap Rousedower. Uh, we're buds, so I don't know. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> nice. No, hey, no, Mr. anyone? Mr. Okay, good. As well. <clears throat> uh, Final sacrifice. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm there. destroying my desk here because you know I gotta. There, there, there. You go. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So let's let's do our give me five thing, guys. Are, are we ready here? I, so. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. So we've got this week in honor of the various weird hairstyles. There was others too. There was a lot of ponytails and and uh, goatees and whatnot. But the thing I noticed a lot of, which I mentioned earlier, was mullets. Mm-hmm. So I decided that this week's top five question. Should be the top mullets in pop culture, not just movies, not just music, whatever. It can be any pop culture. It can be a real person, can be a character. Your top five mullets. Jimmy, yes, as sir, usual, you can I go first. Go ahead and go first. I've got a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, the first of those, uh, just three, <clears throat> actually. The first of those is the Ultimate Warrior, because you mentioned him earlier. Number two, James Hetfield of Metallica of inside out shirt fame and my third honorable mention is limal from the never ending story song 
So my number five is Richard Dean Anderson from MacGyver. Number four, MacGyver. That's, a, yes. that's a good fluffy number four is Ken from the anime Fist of the North Star. Number three is Ric Flair because nobody feathered that shit better. Number two are the vampires from the Lost Boys. And number one, Starman himself, Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie. Also a good f- frizzy mullet, or not frizzy, but yes, spiky mullet. Finely crafted. Now we do have a couple of lists from some listeners sent in. I will play those now. So we got we got to mute ourselves because it screws up our recording. In case you're here, we go from Alec. Hello, this is Give Me Five Podcast. It's Alec with the top five mullets of the week. Um, honorable mention. I'm going to give that to a Greg from the Give Me Five Podcast. I saw a picture of your mullet on the Discord uh, chat, and that was that was a good mullet. Um, also, honorable mention to Neil Patrick Harris. How would they call the mini mullet when he was on Doogie Hauser? I also had a mini mullet turn into a mullet for a little bit when I was like nine or ten years old, but no pictures from me. Okay, um, number five, Mario Lopez when he was AC Slater on Saved by the Bell. That's a pretty iconic mullet. Number four is Kiefer Sutherland from Lost Boys. I thought he actually pulled that off. Um, number three, Michael Bolton. I don't know. I just think that it's a pretty funny one. It's pretty iconic. Number two, Patrick Swayze. I think from Roadhouse. He made it look cool as well. And number one, I know he's not popular now, but Mel Gibson and the Lisa West movies I thought was, you know, it's pretty big for pop culture. So those are my uh, top five modes for the week. All right. Thanks. Bye. The very fine list from Mr. Alec. I've got one more called in from Matt. AKA Jubals. Hello, Give Me Five podcast. Hello, listeners. And a special hello to Kerwin. Here is my top five pop culture mullets. But first, an honorable mention to Dolph Lundgren from Masters of the Universe. And now, my number five, Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys. Number four, Jean-Claude Van Damme from Hard Target. Number three, the man himself, Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. Number two, Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China. And drumroll, please, for my number one, David Spade, Joe Dirt. Hope you enjoyed the list. Goodbye. Thank you guys so much for those lists. Who would like to go next? Um, I'll go. Please do. <clears throat> All right. So I actually, uh, I'm trying to do a mad dash to try to come up with some new ones. Cause, uh, some of mine have been mentioned two or three times at this point. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to, I'm going to start off with, um, I had, I had MacGyver, which was already mentioned, but you know, Richard Dean Anderson, yeah. it's a hell of a mullet. Uh, I also had the ultimate warrior, but I'm going to swap him out for Shawn Michaels Ooh. because way back in the day when, Oh man, I mean, that was long. He had the, like that yeah. is some serious yeah. length uh, on that mullet. And it was just fluff top, like a good nice. muffin top. Um, nice. Also uh, next, I'm going to go bud Bundy 
uh, David Faustino back in the early seasons, just a hell of a mullet on that, on that, uh, that kid, Bud Bundy. Um, number two, I got to go with a real life person. Andre Agassi may be the greatest mullet so of all good. time. Um, granted he is bald as I am today, but man, the back in the day, that guy, I mean, he had various lengths, but sometimes it was like two feet long and it's still a mullet. Like that guy committed like nobody. Andre Agassi, tennis player. Uh, and number one, I can't believe, I mean, granted, I'm, we've, we've heard three whole lists and nobody has mentioned Rambo. Oh, I mean, come on. Ooh. I mean, come on. Rambo is my number one. Like, absolutely. I also had Ziggy Stardust, but uh, we're going to. I just I swapped him out for uh, Andre, but um, yeah, there you go. I uh, I went mostly real people on mine, which I didn't mean to do, but I just did. My number five, the ultimate, one of the ultimate fluffy mullets, that'd be Richard Marks. Yes, mm-hmm. and Richard Marks not only had a mullet, but he, I was looking up. Just make sure I didn't imagine that mullet. He, I found a tweet from him back in 2018. It helps that 95% of the men that give me shit about my 80s mullet are now bald. So I'm also fighting with Richard Marks now. Um, <laughs> he's, he's actually a good Twitter, Twitter feed, a Twitter follow, because he's constantly making fun of uh, Daisy Fuentes. And I was wondering why. And it turns out they've been married for years, oh. which I did not know. So he's constantly <laughs> oh, calling her. So he'll, he's, he'll be like, look at Daisy Fuentes here. That elitist so and so is going to a you know sitting there enjoying spa music, and like then she'll respond. She'd be like, "You're in the same room with me." <laughs> <laughs> so, so Richard Marks, now number five. Yeah. Uh, I went baseball for number four. Randy Johnson, Mister Bird Killer oh, yeah. himself, has a good mullet there. Number three, Andre Agassi. I think the mullet was the source of his power because. It was that and cocaine, actually. But when he, partially his age, but when he got rid of the mullet, he started uh, losing a lot more. Uh, number two, I was, uh, another surprise that no one's mentioned it, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure that the mullet was sentient and was actually what he was using to catch the bell jumpers. Like tendrils, like venom. <laughs> and number one, the... Uh, Probably the first and only time this person will ever be on one of my lists. Probably not the only time it would be on one of Rob's lists, though. Billy Ray Cyrus. Mm. I think you stole mine. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, you know, that when that mullet was kicking, he was the number one musician on the planet. Yeah. So Yeah, that was, a, that was the, a the achy, mullet. breaky hair, I believe yeah. is what mm-hmm. people called it before they referred to it as a mullet. So that's my oh. number one. I had a couple of mine that were already mentioned. I am going to change my list up a little bit to include two people who haven't been mentioned yet. I will have a third one who hasn't been mentioned yet, but he will only be an honorable mention because I'm not totally convinced that his hair qualifies as a mullet simply because he was hanging on for all that he could and he didn't really have much left up top, but that's Hulk Hogan. The skullet. Oh, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> that's right. It was a skullet. Skullet, yeah. But at number five, I'm going to have a a mullet who was very popular in the 90s. And that's going to be Jerry Seinfeld. All right. 
At number four, I'm going to have another mullet that was relatively popular, and he's still very popular now with the ladies, just he doesn't have the mullet anymore, and that's John Stamos' as Uncle Jesse. Oh, that is such a good one. That's right. I was I was thinking about that this morning. Oh, man. We That's invaded your day. That is a good one. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Jesse, yes. Happy made you think about something in the morning. And uh, and Dave Dave Coulier also. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also great mullet, yeah. At number three, I'm going to put I – got, I got to put Kurt Russell. Big trouble in China. Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, I I love me some Kurt Russell. Yeah, I, same. Yeah, good one. At at number two, I've got like every male in the movie The Lost Boys. <laughs> right, like I mean, literally yeah. almost every guy in the movie The Lost Boys had a mullet. You're right, right. I, I think the older vampire was the only one who didn't have one, but everybody <laughs> else was sporting a mullet. But at number one, Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. The iconic mullet from the nineties. It is. It is. Good one. Superb. Ones. I I cannot believe I I almost didn't put Stallone. Uh, I almost didn't put Rambo because I'm like everybody's going to say Rambo. <laughs> Nobody said Rambo. I can't believe it. Can I ask a question? I have a question. You can. Hey Rob. Yes. Uh, do I spy a, a, a dark wing duck wearing Bo-Katan's helmet behind you? You you do. That is part of my Darkwing Duck Mandalorian costume that I wear to the Comic-Cons. That is literally the most amazing thing I've ever seen today. <laughs> Thank Only you, today, Rob. Don't don't let it Only today. You. It's I'll take it. You know, I, I I'm okay with that. You cosplay yes, have... as, as Darkwing Duck as a Mandalorian. I actually have, I started a couple of years ago with a Darkwing Duck costume and was absolutely surprised at how popular the costume was. I I wore it to Megacon one year and I literally got stopped like every five feet. Everybody wanted to take a picture and was like, oh my God, that's my childhood, blah, blah, blah. And everybody wanted a picture. I, I made a couple of changes and I had a mashup that ended up being fairly popular and I did a Darkwing Duck Jedi costume. And then after that, I was looking for another one. I found a guy who was willing to make the custom helmet and had the custom helmet made. And then I made the armor and everything myself. And then I put together the Darkwing Duck Mandalorian. So did he make the duck part of that helmet too? Or did you do that? I, he actually, I gave him the, the mold for it basically, because I have a Darkwing Duck mask and I couldn't find it anywhere. And it, I was having trouble getting another one. He actually borrowed my mask for the beak and the cheeks and used it as a mold to make the part that sticks out of the helmet. That's amazing. I love it. Awesome. I, very creative. Yeah, I was very happy with it. Very happy with it. And it's also very popular. It gets a lot of photos and everything at, at the cons. Very cool. I'll have to see pictures of that. I, I assume you have some pictures on the uh, the old Facebook page. Um, are they, are they up there, Greg? I know they're uh, on, the, on, they're on Instagram. Yeah, I know they're on, I know they're on Instagram. They're on the gram. Yeah. On the gram. Yeah. Very cool. But yes, I, I'm very happy that you recognized it as a dark wing duck. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely. He, I mean, his, uh, he's got those, those, those cheek poofs. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the smile yeah. line thing. Yeah. Awesome. So guys, we're, we're going to close this out here. One last time, thank you very much 
Steve, Steve and Sampson. If you guys want to check out his book, uh, Roughhouse Public, roughhousepublishing.com, you can get a pre-order copy. It'll be out soon, though, so you're not going to be waiting forever. As well as his other books are on Amazon. Um, it's uh, Book two is Marrow Dust. Book one is uh, Bone Eater King. Yep. I highly suggest both of those. Um, um, I, am enjoying, I am enjoying the hell out of them. Well, thank, thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, uh, everybody, you know, uh, Rob and Jimmy. I mean, this was really fun. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Glad you could make it. It was great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you guys all love Hell Samurai Hell. Cop, and uh, you're uh, welcome. Hell yeah. And uh, Jimmy, how can people contact us, and what's uh, what's up? Well, I guess that's it. How can <laughs> what's people contact up? us? Well, I don't know. I forgot which episode this was. Yes. <laughs> guys, if you want to stay in touch with the show and check out some really cool stuff, some new features are being added to GiveMe5Podcast.com. You can find us on the Facebooks by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can find us on the aforementioned Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. That is the same tag that we use on Twitter as well. If you'd like to email us directly, you can do that at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. Because if you could leave us a review on iTunes, if you like what you're listening to, or whatever podcast application you're using on your device, we'd certainly appreciate that. Support the show in another way by checking out GiveMe5Podcast.Threadless.com, where you can find some pretty cool merchandise. As worn by Rob right now. That is true. Looking very handsome there, Rob. Steve, thank you so much. Yes. We can't wait to hear from you again. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. I kind of want to just slap Rob's chest because it's got a big hand on it. I just want to give him five. <laughs> give me five. Full, full that happened to me at a chest. concert. That did happen Ooh. to me at a concert once. Yeah? And I was and it, I bet it, and I am not a touchy-feely night. person. I was horrified. I was yeah. like, we've got to change the logo. Yeah, And at Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, it's true. You I, could, I don't want to. This was pre-pandemic, and I was up underwear. Have that right, right in the front. We we've threatened, yeah, thongs and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night.